Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday morning service held on February the 19th, 2023. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please visit www.stjamesleith.org.uk. Welcome into the house. Come away in. Welcome everybody. Welcome to St. James here in the building at home. You're very welcome, especially if you're a visitor. Uh, you're very welcome here. So what kind of, I don't know what kind of week you've had. If you're in the Scottish Government, it's a week you might remember. Uh, and um, I'm not going to discuss right now whether Wednesday was a good thing or a bad thing. Do stay for coffee. Um, but it's certainly consistent with the Episcopalian lectionary. So we'd like to thank the First Minister for that because today is about change. Metanoia, if you have a look at your um, sheet, the theme today is change. So as we, as we move into the service now and we think about the service, about change, I want to quote from a 20th century guru, um, Steve Butler, who said... Um, Lord, don't let us leave here just the same. Lord, don't let us leave here just the same. So let's have a moment of quiet. We're going to light our candle here. Thank you, Pat. You might like to light your candle at home and we'll uh, prepare to meet with God. Welcome in the name of Jesus. We gather together, putting our trust in the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Blessed are you, O God, maker of heaven and earth, giver of all good things. Blessed are you, O Christ, Son of God, eternal, bringer of good news to the poor. Blessed are you, O Holy Spirit, giver of life and renewal, uniting us in worship and service. Please would you stand for our opening song.
daring to open to God each other and ourselves, we offer in silence the gift of our woundedness and we acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourself and to each other. May all that is unfree in you be released and may you blossom into a future graced with love. Amen. taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 24, and starting at verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, wait here for us until we come to you again. For Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the gospel being beamed across the continents.
A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Glory to Christ, our Savior. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became a dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them saying, get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the gospel, good news for all. Let us pray. Loving God, wherever each one of us is on, on our journey of life. We ask that you would come to us, Lord Jesus, you would touch us, you would raise us up, and you would accompany us on our journey. And we pray as a community as well that you would come to us, you would touch us, you would raise us up, and you would accompany us. Amen. So thank you, Frank, for introducing the uh, idea of metanoia, of change. Um, and a key to understanding Matthew's gospel is that the writer is portraying Jesus as the new Moses, but always, always going deeper and further uh, than Moses. So there's lots of resonances uh, with Moses. For instance, uh, Jesus being born with Herod's decree to kill the innocents, chiming with Pharaoh's decree to kill Israelite babies, the Sermon on the Mount, linking with uh, Mount Sinai, and our two passages this morning being so closely, uh, in terms of the language that's used, so closely linked together. So I want to put the transfiguration I want to set it in the prophetic context. Jesus as prophet as well as Messiah. And I know Judith in a previous talk talked about how we've neglected the idea of Jesus as prophet. So Jesus, the prophet, like the prophets of the Old Testament, came to bring metanoia on both an individual and a community level. And the word metanoia comes from the ancient Greek meaning repentance, but maybe not repentance in the way that we often interpret it as a way of saying sorry. But instead, it has a sense of journeying, 
the journey of changing one's or a people's heart, mind, self, and way of life. The act of becoming something new. And this is why the prophets shake up the status quo and become disturbers of business as usual, because they're trying to bring people and communities into something new. And in psychology, uh, metanoia is defined as a process of helping people through various forms of breakdown, the breaking up of destructive patterns that have built up over time, followed by a subsequent positive psychological rebuilding or healing, a psychological death and resurrection, to put it into religious language. And one of the... Um, Big, or biggest psychological uh, um, counselling services in London is actually called Metanoia. So the journey of Metanoia is a journey that Jesus went on, and it's especially apparent in his vision quest where he's led into the desert for 40 days and nights, and it causes a breakdown of the old so that something new can emerge. And if we as individuals and as a community are serious about living out our faith, it's less about following a set of beliefs and more about undergoing this journey of metanoia, this change of mind, this change of self, this change of heart, this change of way of life to becoming something new. And the metanoia is both individual, but it applies to, the, to us as a community. And it's illustrated in our gospel. It, it involves two things, two ways. One is ascent, which is up the mountain. The other is descent, which is down the mountain. Those are the two paths of metanoia. So if we firstly look at the way of ascent, the way of joy, of awe and wonder, of being touched by beauty, those extraordinary or sometimes ordinary mountaintop experiences that we may experience in nature, we might experience listening to a piece of music, reading a particular piece of writing. I remember I underwent a change as a sixth former. I read Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot, and it completely uh, knocked me out. I thought, I, ha I have to find purpose. I have to look for something. And it really struck a chord in me. And those mountaintop experiences of worshipping God, as uh, Steve Butler said when you come to church, do not leave unchanged. Those sacred moments that we have in our prayer space all create an inner shift in our minds and our hearts, which hopefully will translate uh, into a different way of living, a metanoia. So as Jesus leads the disciples up the mountain, he is transfigured and changed before them. His face shines, his clothes become a dazzling white, and Jesus himself becomes the ultimate thin space where two worlds co collide, where the divine and the human, the sacred and secular, spirit and matter come together. In Jesus, the disciples get a glimpse of the divine in human form. And many mystics go further and believe this is not only a revelation of the divine in Jesus, but also points to the revelation of God in all of us. 
what Thomas Merton called the pure diamond within. And part of slowing down and providing contemplative services over Lent, which we hope, is that we might get glimpses of faint touches, still small voices of that invisible light of heaven within us. And I just want to quote Thomas Merton. He says, at the center of our being is a point of nothingness, which untouched by sin and by illusion, a point of pure truth, a point or spark which belongs entirely to God, which is never at our disposal, from which God disposes of our lives, which is inaccessible to the fantasies of our own mind or the brutalities of our own will. This little point of nothingness and of absolute poverty is the pure glory of God in us. It is, so to speak, God's name written in us as our poverty, as our indigence, as our dependence, as our son and daughtership. It is like a pure diamond blazing with the invisible light of heaven. It is in everybody. And if we could see it, we would see these billions of points of light coming together in the face and blaze of a sun that would make all the darkness and cruelty of life vanish completely. And he ends, I have no program for this seeing. It is only given. But the gate of heaven is everywhere. Some beautiful writing by Thomas Merton. And on that mountaintop, the, the disciples see the divine in Jesus and Moses and Elijah next to him. But they also hear, like Moses before him, the voice of God from within the cloud telling them who Jesus is. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. God is saying, Jesus is the essence of who I am. If you want to know me, understand me, find me, don't rail at a distant beard in the sky, look at Jesus, talk to him, base your life on him. Again, I think these words are not only a sign of who Jesus is, but an indication and a sign of who we are. That we too are beloved sons and daughters of God, are delighted in by God, are cherished and this is the incredible foundation from which metanoia can take place. I believe the only foundation that real deep metanoia can take place. And when the disciples hear these words telling them who Jesus is, they fall to the ground in fear and trembling. They are prostrate on the ground. Incidentally, another meaning of metanoia that's evolved is to prostrate oneself. And when they raise their eyes, all is gone apart from one image, Jesus. The lives now become fully fo focused and simplified on the person of Jesus who is back in his full humanity. The one thing that is good, the one thing that they desire, and the one thing that is necessary. There are no other distractions. And Jesus responds to the disciples and us when we are down on the, on the ground, fearful and afraid in four ways. He comes to us, he came 
to us in flesh and blood in first century Palestine, and he comes through the Holy Spirit today. However fallen and foolish and fragile and fearful we are, he comes to us. Secondly, he touches us. And touch can be unwelcome, it can be infectious, as COVID talked us, taught us. It uh, can be coercive and abusive. But in Jesus, it's amazing how significant and transformative it is in his ministry. The number of times Jesus touches people and heals them. Jesus' touch is, a, is electric and life-giving. His touch changes everything. And Barbara Brown Taylor says in her book, An Altar in the World, that our faith comes down to this. Whose flesh are we uh, touching and why? Whose flesh are we recoiling from and why? And whose flesh are we burning and why? Very powerful. It brings us faith into something very real and tangible. Whose flesh are we touching and why? Whose flesh are we recoiling from and why? And whose flesh are we burning and why? And Jesus is willing to touch and be touched by lepers, by prostitutes, by tax collectors, by all the untouchables. And he's certainly not concerned with burning anybody. In fact, he's prepared to be burnt so that others are not. And then Jesus raises us up and tells us not to be afraid. Not because bad things won't happen, not because we won't face challenges or sadness or loss or grief and regret, but because fourthly, he is with us. He accompanies us, like the disciples, back down the mountain to face whatever we have to face. He doesn't allow us to build shelters. So Jesus leads his disciples up the mountain to experience in a very tangible way the divine, showing them who he is and who they are in God. Then he touches them, he raises them up, and he accompanies them. And that's really the gospel in a nutshell, all in this one story. But on this mountaintop, the experience is fleeting and momentary. And soon he takes us back down the mountain. And so why is Jesus so quick to lead the disciples and us back down and embark on this way of descent? Back into the ordinary, everyday mosaic of, our, of, their, of the disciples' lives and our lives. And this is the second part of metanoia, where we're called into relationship into a social world of interaction, back into community. And this uh, relationship and community can bring us a sense of belonging, and hopefully it does, and joy, but it also brings a complexity of relationship, of suffering, of loss, of conflict, of having to let go. And I do remember when I was a curate uh, in, in my first church, we had this huge, magnificent, beautiful building, and I'd meet with Father Brian, was my incumbent, and we'd sit in two stalls uh, opposite, and we'd say morning prayer uh, together. No one else would join us, but it was a really beautiful, uh, beautiful way to start the day. We'd do morning and evening prayer, and we'd just been, the day before, we'd been on this uh, conference 
on church growth and uh, as a sort of keen uh, curate I was thinking oh, the, all the ways we could bring people into the church uh, and Father Brian he did have a, a, a dry sense of humor but I think he was there was a bit of honesty in this he, he said the trouble is Ian with all this growth stuff, is actually, I really like the church when no one's in it. <laughs> and uh, I, kind of, I kind of get what he was saying, because it was this beautiful, beautiful uh, atmosphere without all the complexities um, of uh, relationship. But, as I said, we are led uh, um, to have relationships, and community provides another space where metanoia can occur. And the divine may be more hidden down the mountain, hidden in each other, in the ordinary, but it is still at work within us and between us. And the prophets lead us into a life of relationship, to be in union with people, but also nature and animals. And as soon as moments of relationship are cut off, or we cut, cut them off, and we cut off the possibility of community, then I think we also cut off the possibility of being people of any real depth. Because it is on the anvil of relationship where rough edges are knocked off and our true authentic selves emerge. So it is both important for us to work out our faith individually, up the mountain, but also in community down the mountain. And I think there is a danger that if we believe our faith is simply an individual journey, we can define salvation and healing as self-realization, a therapeutic experience, as self-knowledge, and an internal dialogue. But if we spend all our time down the mountain in social activity and business, we potentially miss out on any personal experience of God, a sense of a meeting of lovers coming together, of intimacy, of an, of an assurance that we are beloved and special. This time when we attend to our inner lives has the potential to give us inner confidence, inner integrity, inner wisdom, and inner authority that we can then bring back to the community. We need both and. And the two are not mutually exclusive, but rather essential for each other. Out of a strength, strong sense of belonging to a group can come a strong sense of individuality or personhood, and those with a strength, strong sense of their own individuality and personhood can then create a strong sense of community. We are called to relatedness to God, vertical if you like, also horizontal uh, to each other. And that's the essence of the Eucharist. We come to meet God, but we are joined to each other. So how does this story impact not just us as individuals, but as a community? And we are going through uh, great change as a community in many ways. And it tells us, I think, that as a community, we should be open to metanoia. We should be open to the journey of changing our heart our mind, our self, and way of life in the act of becoming something new, whatever that may mean for us. However, we will individually and collectively experience God in tangible ways in our worship and contemplative services, 
but also be touched, raised up, and accompanied down the mountain as we seek to engage with our community and be touched and changed by those that we come into contact with. Amen. So a different routine. We're going to sing now. I suggest, Mary, we do say seated, I think, while we sing this. And the words are going to be up on the screen, Alex. Thank you very much.
Our prayers this morning are focusing on our pilgrimage once we're down the mountain. Uh, so when I say Lord of glory, please just respond, walk with us. Lord of glory, walk with us. Lord Jesus, help us to recognize your presence every day. In the heights and in the valley of the shadow, but most often in the average day. Give us eyes to see you in the people we live with, the encounters of every day, the local environment, so that even ordinary routine glows with your presence and the knowledge of your love. Lord of glory, walk with us. As we walk with you as a church, show us how best to share your love with our local community. We remember particularly all those who are charged with planning the future use of the building. We can't do everything. Show us what your priorities are for St. James in 2023. Lord of glory, walk with us. We believe that your love shines in the darkest places. We pray for the deep darkness of the world, for all those mourning bereaved and homeless after the terrible earthquake, for the deepening darkness in Afghanistan, for Yemen, for Lebanon, for the endless suffering in Ukraine, and for the many millions in East Africa facing famine. Show us what you want to do, us to do to help. Lord of glory, walk with us. You came down to the world of the Roman Empire with its brutal distinctions between citizen and non-citizen, free and slave, have and have not. Help us to challenge modern empires in your name. Lord of glory, walk with us. We remember all those who are struggling with personal darkness, through illness or grief, through fear for the future, their future or that of their children, through the feeling that the best things in life have passed them by and it's too late to start again. We name before you in silence those known to us whose lives particularly need your love and light today. We remember Louise and her family as they mourn the loss of Werner. We remember Jesse Hurtado and his wider family following the death of Shannon yesterday. And we particularly ask for all those devastated by the death of Lewis, who was taken from them at a very young age. For his parents, for his family, for his friends from school and elsewhere, and for all those whose lives have been turned upside down by knife crime. We remember them in silence now. Finally, a prayer for all of us. 
transfigured God. We can't spend our lives on a mountaintop, but you tell us that our whole lives can be lived in your presence, seeing your glory and being transformed into your image. You look at us, Lord Jesus, and you see a work in progress. Pour your grace upon us and make us more like you. Amen.
in the glory and the grey, come to us and touch us, raise us up and accompany us, loving God, so that we may too touch others, lift them up and accompany them. Amen. Praise your name, O Lord. May you know the presence of the one who is with you, healing even when there is no cure, love to fill the spaces in your lives, and light in the darkest places. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Christ. Amen. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.